0: Last week, I was watching the um, Thunder pummel the Mavericks. It was very sad. But while watching that game, there was a particular commercial that really stood out to me. Um, Throughout these games, I often do drug commercials. Um, And this one, it starts off, and this lady, and I forgot what what she has, but it starts off, and everything is gray. Like, I mean, it looks like this outside, Um, and, and just, almost a little out of focus, and she's wandering around, and they're talking about this disease and how bad it is, until you can take this new drug. And the moment she takes the drug, the sun comes out, and it's this crisp blue sky, it is beautiful, and you find out she's on a pier, and there's like these carnival booths, and her friends show up, and nobody else is there, just them and they're playing all of these carnival games, and they're winning every time, you know, gathering stuffed animals, and it's this laughing. And but partly through that, they do what they do on all drug commercials. They begin to talk about the side effects. <laughs> this low voice comes on. Side effects may include, and I'm not making this up, dizziness, nausea, constipation, increased risk of heart attack, diabetes, cancer and death. <laughs> but the, the images don't change. She's going, woohoo, You know, and she's like, another stuffed animal for me. I might die, but yay! I mean, it's just so, like, they did not fit together. And I'm watching the image going, like, what am I supposed to believe? Do I believe the happy people, or I might die? Which one of those things? But I also thought, I need one of those voices, I need a side effect voice in my life. You know, like when you're driving and the voice goes, no, don't change lanes, there's a car in your blind spot. Or, no, don't say that to your wife, there's an increased chance you'll be on the couch. (laughs) No, no, don't say that either. No, no, just tell her she's pretty and stop talking. (laughs) I need that voice. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a side effect voice? I mean, think about all of the dumb things that we do. Could you imagine if every time you started to do it, this voice came on and said, no, don't do that. Side effects may include the prodigal son needed that voice. As we look at this story, he needed that voice. Now, he wouldn't have listened to the voice probably, just like we don't. But he needed that voice. And as I'm studying this, we're gonna, for three weeks, we're gonna go through the prodigal son. We're gonna take basically son, father, older brother. And in all of the cases, I thought to myself, if only I had this voice that was guiding me so that I wouldn't fall prey to what we're gonna see the younger son does, we're gonna see what the older son does. Because as I'm walking through life, these things keep happening. I keep feeling them and making these decisions, and we'll see it as we go through. If only we had that voice. If you would, open up your Bible to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Ultimately, this story is really about the father. Uh, We call it the prodigal son because that's what touches our heart, we see this younger son who goes through all of these things and he comes back and his father embraces him. And It's his story that we most are in tune with. The older brother who is a huge focus in this story almost gets nothing. And really the whole thing, look at the very first verse. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The story is ultimately about this man and, and the way in which his sons respond to him but it's really kind of his story more than it is theirs of course i'm breaking it into the younger son father and the older son but just so you have that in mind as we go through it here's the first thing about the story the younger son makes a demand of his father verse 12 and the younger of them said to his father father Give me the share of property that is coming to me. A couple things about this. Number one, it's not a request. Um, It's not a, hey, Dad, would you mind giving me, you know, what I'm going to get at some point? This is a, Father, give me what is going to be mine. And he's referring to inheritance. And in this case, most likely, hey, so the word property here is most often used for something of a large estate. All right, this is probably a wealthy man. And the son, when the wealthy man dies, this younger son will get one-third of his property. The older son will get two-thirds of the property. But only after he dies, this request is, either it's just very strange, like somebody who doesn't have good social skills and they ask a weird question and everybody else is going, oh man. You can't ask that question. Or, this is disturbing. This is a disturbing question. It is the equivalent of saying, Father, you're dead to me. Give me what I would get after that is true. And the father is going to have to go sell property to get the money to give to him. It's very likely not in a safe somewhere, but he has most of his wealth in his estate. He's gonna go sell part of this, give it to the son so the son can do whatever he wants with it. Luke, and he divided his property between them. That word property, Luke changes the Greek term. The first one is specific to an estate. This second word is the word bios in Greek. It means life. In reference to property, it's whatever you need for for living, what would keep you alive. But Luke changes that word for the second part. It says the father divided his life because symbolically that is what's happening when this younger son comes to him and says, give me what I'm only supposed to get after you die. I want it right now. My Children, when they are young, they have said at times some painful things. I mean, my son has said, I don't love you, I love grandma. And, and, and as a father, you're thinking, that hurts a little. I, I, they, next day, it could change. I mean, they're really, they, they change a lot in how they think. But like, there's a part of me that he says that, and I just want, especially if he says, I don't love mom, I love somebody else, it makes me angry. Because I know there's a little bit of pain that comes from that, even if the kid's three years old and doesn't really get what they're saying, all this stuff that you do for them, all of the sacrifices you make and you're raising them and you're loving them and you do anything for them and they have the audacity to say, I don't love you, I love, and when it's done to mom, I just want to smack my kid. I, I don't, but I want to. Here's the thing. This younger son is likely a teenager. He's not married, but he's old enough to go away on his own. When a three-year-old says that it, it's one thing, when your teenager says it, can't imagine what this father is feeling. Why? What does this younger son want? Keep going. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and he took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Now, it doesn't tell us precisely. We don't get a little verse that says, what the son really wanted was this, but we have some big clues Number one, he wanted to do it away from his father. He takes this stuff and basically father is dead to me. He takes the money and he goes to a far country. I'm gonna go do this on my own. I'm getting away from my father and my family and any of those things. And I'm gonna do this on my own. And then he squandered I, this word is literally the word to scatter something. It has this symbolic meaning of wasting or, or squandering, but to scatter. Here's what he did. He got all of this money, however much it was, and he takes it to this distant country and he just starts throwing it at things. What is he doing? What is he looking for? What was not at home for this young man? What are we all looking for? What is everybody in this room looking for? I wanna throw out some things. Happiness, joy, contentment, security, a lack of pain and struggle. I would argue that it's not any one of those things but all of them. And they're wrapped up in this right here. I would argue that he is looking for life as it was meant to be. And that we all have glimpses of this. Um, Go back to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three. In Genesis 2, we have this beautiful story of God forming man out of the dust, breathing life into him, setting him in this beautiful garden where he does not have to work or toil, giving him a wife to be with him for companionship, and God apparently wanders through this garden on a somewhat regular basis to be with him. That is life as it was meant to be. Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve make a similar decision to this young son. They decide they want to do it their way. They're gonna go against what their father wants and make their own choice. And there's a consequence. In chapter three, go to verse 22. And the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden, he placed a cherubim and the flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Here is my contention. We were made to have life with God. We were made to be in that garden. And and I don't mean that literally, like he was gonna make a garden and nothing else ever, and we had to be in the garden to be happy. It was everything that that garden represented. That is what we long for still. And we only catch glimpses of it both positive and negative, think of this. Have you ever thought or said to yourself or heard somebody else say this? Somebody dies and you say it shouldn't be like this. Somebody's suffering, they're going through a long-term cancer and you think it shouldn't be like this. You're right, it shouldn't be like this. And we all know it, we feel it. On the other side, Have you ever held a newborn child and thought, this, this is beauty, this is life, this is just wow. And then that child starts to cry, and you go, it shouldn't be like this. (laughs) Because they don't stop, they just keep going. But we have all of these moments, like these glimpses, these tastes of things. Have you ever been with your spouse and it's quiet? and you're holding each other and you think, I wish it could just stay like this. You know it's not. I mean, other things are gonna happen. You're get- but you get this little moment of like, this is what life is meant to be. And we spend all of our life trying to find it. All of our life trying to get to this gnawing thing. Augustine's famous quote, Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. There is a restlessness about us. This constant moving of, I need this, or I need this, or I need this, or I need this. And yet, what is the result? Verse 14. And when he had spent everything. Why did he spend everything? what is the only reason he kept spending until there was nothing left? Because he never found what he was looking for. If he had actually found it, at some point, he would have stopped. But he's scattering his money, trying to find whatever it is, that elusive purpose, meaning, value, happiness, joy, contentment, lack of pain, all of these things that we just keep looking for But no matter how much money he had, he couldn't do it. He spent everything. And a severe famine arose in that country. Isn't it awesome when bad goes to worse? I mean, isn't it great when like bad things are happening and you're like, oh, and then boom, another thing stacks on top of it. And he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. It's as unclean as you can get if you're a Jew. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. This kid wanted life as it's supposed to be. And he kept searching and searching and searching, but he would grab it and then it wouldn't be there. Have you have you ever tried to replicate Christmas that you remembered as a kid in your family today? But it never lived up to it. Or Thanksgiving dinner, like you have these memories of Thanksgiving that like give you all these good feelings, and you think, okay, I'm going to do this, and then you do it with your family, and it 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 wasn't the same. Like whatever that memory was, whatever those smells and those feelings were, that they didn't quite do it. This happens far too often in churches. People had a really, really amazing experience in a church. And then they keep going from church to church to church, trying to find that same thing or trying to make the new church be the old church. Like I found it, but no, you got, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. No, that's not right. And you keep moving from church to church to church. By the way, if that's you, you're never going to find it. We cannot recreate those things. All we can do is get a certain smell in your kitchen and it brings you back and you remember. Uh, A certain song and it brings you back and, and you remember. That is the closest we have to finding life the way it's meant to be. It's never going to last all of the moments, we're gonna grasp them and they're gonna go away, but we're gonna keep looking. This is a very profound quote from C.S. Lewis. Now, if we were made for heaven, the desire for our proper place will be already in us, but not yet attached to the true object This desire for life as God intended it is in us. And we're searching, but we can't, we're not attaching it to the right thing. Just as the sun is scattering it everywhere, trying to find it. If a trans-temporal, trans-finite good is our real destiny, then any other good on which our desire fixes must be in some degree fallacious no other good will ever be as good as what we were created for unless it's him because that's what we were created for. I want to let you in on something from my life that I may later be embarrassed for letting you in on this. Now, it has nothing to do with my family, it's just me. My wife's over there going, oh no, what's he gonna say? It's not about my wife, it's about me. Um, growing up, I had a, a favorite band. In fact, when I was five years old, my fifth birthday, um, a figure from this band was on my birthday cake, Kiss. <laughs> I grew up an avid Kiss fan. Um, I mean, just like from the time I was five until, well, so I became a Christian when I was 17. And for a while I gave up all devil music, you know, and had to do just Christian stuff. And then I realized a lot of the Christian stuff isn't very good. And so I realized there's actually good stuff that's not Christian, you can still listen to it. But I mean, I listened to KISS for years and years and years and years. And the music is attached to so many of my memories because that was the music that was always playing in my life. And like, I will hear a song and it'll transport me back to, I was doing this with a friend or we were doing this thing over here. Just all these memories, sometimes even like scents, like they're not really in the air, but I still remember a smell that's attached to this song. Well, last year, I think, or maybe the year before that, um, Kiss came to Dallas and Aaron's like, you should go. I mean, it's been so long. You should go. You should go see them. Um, It's been, you know, forever. Well, I I thought hard about doing this. I mean, these are like my childhood idols. I mean, it was, I am, um, I should go see them. I may never get to do this again. Well, as I was thinking about it, I watched a YouTube video of Kiss. They were doing, um, like, a couple years ago on American Idol, the guy who won he was singing rock music. It's like the only American Idol winner to sing rock music. And so after winning to do his finale, Kiss came on stage and he sang with them. They are like in their mid 60s right now. And they're still wearing spandex and like big heeled boots. And, and like they have been singing for 40 years and doing these concerts, Paul Stanley has no voice left. This American Idol singer, I mean, every time they go back and forth, I'm like, oh, Paul, stop singing. Please let him sing again. And I thought, I don't want to go see this concert. It's going to ruin all of the images I have in my head for what they were like because they were never even as good as I remember them. but they are certainly not what they were 40 years ago now. Here's my point. We are always going to be looking, but nothing is going to be as good as we think it is unless that something is the Lord because it's what we're made for. Uh, And it's not enough. By the way, you cannot turn this into like just, Okay, as long as I've got God's rules and I do them, then I will be content and everything will be right. Right? That is the equivalent of getting child support, but not a father. Those things are not the same. It's a good thing to get the child support, but that does not take the place of a father. This is a relationship with the creator of the universe. This is a relationship with our Father. And if we do not have that, there will always be in us, I must go look at this, I must go try this, I must explore this. And those things will only and always give a modicum of peace or joy or happiness or contentment only until, wait, that's not it. And we will throw our money at something else. We will throw our time at something else. But there is something so haunting about this passage to me. Something that, like, go back to Luke 15. We need to know this, it's part of the equation. Go back to verse 12 and look at the middle. No, actually look at the beginning. I'm gonna do this from my perspective. And my younger child came to me and said, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. Here's my response. You ungrateful little, I can't say that in church. Do you have any idea what I do for you? Do you know how much I've done for you? Do you know how much we love you? Do you know how much this would crush your mom if you did this? There is no way. Go to your room and think about what you're doing. Think about what you're saying. I'd be so livid and angry and going after him. And look at the father's response. And he divided his property between them. That haunts me. And here's why because we know in the parable that the father represents God. If you want to go your own way, he's going to let you. If you don't want what he has to offer, he's going to let you. And you're going to have to go through all of the pain, all of the dreams that don't actually work out, all of the things where you think, I finally got it. No, that didn't work either. I finally No, that didn't work either. He's going to let you do it that is what haunts me about this the freedom that god gives to his children to go mess their lives up because they don't want him and make no i mean that son is making a choice i don't want your love i want my way i don't want your rules My dad, when I was 18 years old, after I had graduated from high school, I wanted to live my own way. And my dad, in a very, he wasn't angry. He just said, look, you want to live your own way? That's fine. You have to do it under your own roof. You want to move out? You move out, you can live your own way. God is not going to force you to be what you are created to be. He's not gonna force you to follow him. He's giving you the freedom to run after your own love, to try and make it your own way. Or instead of going to that distant country, to recognize that right there, right now in your life, he's offering it to you. Have a relationship with your father. That is the only thing you were created to ultimately be satisfied in, him. It will not be your spouse, no matter how much joy they'll bring you. It will not be your kids, no matter how much joy they bring you. It will not be your job, no matter how much satisfaction you may get in it. None of these things ultimately can bring satisfaction to your soul, because that's not how we're created. Those things, every one of them are intended to function within our relationship with our father. In fact, you will not even get the most out of those things without the proper relationship with your father. Even all of the things we're going after to find meaning have more meaning when they are in relationship to our father. It's how we are built from the very beginning. I wish I had a side effect voice. I cannot tell you how many things I have sought, joy and contentment and meaning and purpose and value. I mean, even today, maybe you can relate to this. There are things that I might say to somebody that I will find myself just, I've got all this angst over it, and it's not because I think I said the wrong thing, or it's not because I think even what I said might hurt them. It's because I wonder what they think of me now. Like, what's my value? Like, what what if they think something worse of me? It is amazing how many things I am trying to find life as it's meant to be in, Instead of searching it with God, I wish I had a side effect voice that would warn me, You're doing it again. Now, it may be a nonstop stream of, You're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it. But eventually, maybe I'd get the message. I don't say this um, lightly, I don't say this as a cop out. There is a voice. It is scripture. It is liturgy. It is being with the people of God. Um, A retreat that we just went to, one of the things that the speaker said, worship is that glimpse of what life is supposed to be. That moment where either you feel the presence of God and you begin to weep, the moment where you are singing a particular song and it just touches your soul, the moment that maybe you walk up for communion and for whatever reason on that day when you received, you you knew God was with you. We do have this voice, but we have to listen because that commercial, it was trying to get you not to hear the side effect voice. Just Pay attention to the sunny, beautiful day. Pay attention to the laughter and the winning of carnival games that nobody ever wins. (laughs) Pay attention to that and ignore this voice down here that the Bible is not going to jump off your shelf into your face and say, read me. Church, you can come here and you can be exhausted you can be so focused on something else, you can be hung over. You are going to get out of this what you come into it with. If you come in and you're saying, God, I'm just, I'm ready to meet with you. That's when you're you're opening yourself. But we are drawn away from the side effect voice by all the other things. But it's there if we'll listen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the freedom that you give to us that shows that love. That you would give the life of your Son and yet still not force us to worship you, to follow you. Even even that sacrifice, you give us the freedom to love you. Lord, help us to see all of the things and ways in our lives that we are going away from you, that we are traveling to our own distant country to find life when it's in you. Lord, help us to see those things and to turn everything we are over to you and to follow you in relationship, trusting you for our value and our joy, and our contentment, and our eternity. Because you are almighty, all-powerful, and yet you are our Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.